1: Welcome to Criminal AF, and for those of you joining us for the first time, this is a true crime podcast. There will be talk of murder, rape, torture, assault, and pretty much any crime that would haunt you nightmares at any given moment. There will be detailed descriptions of said events, and there will be some vulgar language. Like fuck. We understand that Criminal AF is not for everyone, but we just ask that you at least give it a listen. If it's not for you, hey, thanks for checking it out. See ya. But if it is, welcome to the debauchery. For nearly 30 years, a man single-handedly brought fear to people living in New Jersey and New York, admitting to murdering over 200 people. He had grandiose claims of killing when he was 14, working as a mafia hitman, kidnapping Jimmy Hoffa, and taking down another notorious killer of the time. He was known as the Ice Man. This is the story of Richard Kuklinski. I'm Dave Jari. I'm Garrett Quarter. And this is Criminal As Fuck. What's good, fuckers? And welcome back to another episode of Criminal AF. Once again, I am Dave Jari. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Garrett Quarter. How we doing? Now, we got to give a shout-out to HelloFresh. Now, with HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy and fun. And affordable, by the way. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. To get our amazing offer of 16 free meals and free shipping, go to HelloFresh.com backslash CriminalAF16 and use code CriminalAF16. And we'd like to also give a shout out to our newest member of the debauched. That's Emily White. Thank you so much, Emily. Your support is greatly appreciated. Before we start getting into the nitty gritty, I just found out that people can comment on our episodes through Spotify. Did you know this? Yes. You knew this? Yes, I knew that. you Why didn't you even tell me this? What? I'm a Spotify kind of guy. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm more of an Apple Podcast. Yes, yeah.
0: I I'm I like Spotify.
1: All right, yeah. So I, I didn't know this until I received the email saying that you know it, that I received two new comments on our last episode. Mm. I was like, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? But the downside to all of this is that you can't respond back. Not that I've seen anyway. So, one of our friends commented it on our last show, and he goes by John K. Now, I don't want to butcher his last name, so we'll just say John K. John K. John K. That okay? sounds, that's a safe bet. Yeah. So, he brings up a point from the last episode that I really want to clarify with him. So, I'm reaching out to you directly, John K, that if you listen to this episode, please reach out to me through our social media or through our email, criminalafpod at gmail.com. And I'd really like to respond. All right. With all that being said, Go leave us a comment on the, this episode of Spotify, and because apparently, now that we know that, that's a thing. Yes. Also, you can become a member of the debauch by joining our Patreon for as little as $2 a month for general support. Everyone gets access to our private Discord, and those who join our $5 tier get all of our audible, video, and downloadable content, including the narrated scripts for every story from Criminal AF. You get our five-minute murder, where I discuss a true crime event in five minutes or less, hence the name. And also our Patreon-only bi-weekly podcast called Random AF, where we discuss anything and everything, and we don't hold anything back, do we, Garrett? Not at all. All right, so we talk about white people taco night, <laughs> yeah, which some of you have already seen. Yeah, we talk about <laughs> would you rather perform the first 90% of a blowjob or the last 10%? Which one, Garrett?
0: Oh, I'm doing first, first 90. 90. First, first 90. 90. 100%. It's not, it's not yeah. even a question.
1: Right. I don't want none of that 10%. All right. So it gets pretty crazy, and it's 100%, 100% not safe for work. Dude,
0: the lowest tier of the, of the Discord is worth anything. Because, oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Because like, you get the
1: Discord, yeah. Just
0: join, come hang out with the fucking socials. It's that, so good.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so for the higher tiers, you get all of this, plus producer credits on every episode, some goodies thrown in like T-shirts, posters, coffee mugs, etc. So to choose your tier, just go to criminalafpodcast.com backslash support or click on the link in the episode description. Now, there are other ways you can support Criminal AF as well. You can visit our show on Apple Podcasts where you can leave a detailed review on why Criminal AF has had such a positive impact on your life. Or, as we stated earlier, you can go to Spotify and answer the questions posted in the episode. Or, or you can interact with polls that we can post. There's polls as well that we can put on there. <laughs> yeah. I'm learning all this shit out as we're as we're doing this. It's all like right. it's like a
0: boomer trying to find life. <laughs> <right now. laughs>
1: what is all this fancy? What's what? what goddamn planet? Who dingy? All right. So last but not least, you can be rocking our merch. There's tons of designs and products to choose Go from. Go get you some merch. Yes, sir. And you can find it all at criminalafpodcast.com backslash shop. Bail call. No call. Prior to every episode, we sound out an AMA on Instagram for a chance for your question to be answered on air. And today we have one from C Daniel Moore. And he wants to know if I, or you, vice versa, whichever, yep. if I called you up yeah. middle of the night and said, Garrett, I need your help. Oh, I already know where I, this is I going. blacked out.
0: Oh no.
1: And I have a body in my house. I don't know what the fuck happened. Oh fuck you, Dave. What are you doing?
0: God damn it. I'm already invested. Fuck.
1: <laughs> well, first, first. Go right. ahead, go ahead, go ahead. All right.
0: Yeah. For, first off, I'm going to ask you a million questions and you know this.
1: You're just not going to jump in the car and come over? No,
0: I'm not. I'm not. You, I'm sorry. You're not that committed I have then.
1: too much to lose, Dave. Okay. All, right. all right.
0: What happened? What's going on? what like give me is it a female
1: who is it Yeah, <laughs> like,
0: like that's my first question all Right. and and it, it depends on the scenario
1: wow i thought you were my scenario. ride or die bro right. okay I, i'm no. with you i'm, I'm not honestly, calling you then i'm not i am that's not, not calling great. That's not if great. you have all those listen, questions i'm not calling Listen.
0: You. all right so i would uh, my first question would be who what where when yeah obviously okay is it a dude or is it a female why does it matter? I just want to know for
1: my own. Oh, okay. I'm,
0: I'm trying to answer the question directly. Okay. I'll, I'll give you both. I'll give you both. Oh, no, we're, answers. we're
1: on a telephone c- conversation right you now. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, yeah. Me, it, uh, and I'm Dave, telling you, what, why does it matter? What did, you, what did she do? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I blacked out, oh, dude. Oh,
0: no. I Dave, fucking blacked
1: out. No. I have no idea. It's a fucking a dead person. All right.
0: I'm coming over with a bottle of Tito's right <laughs> now.
1: <laughs> I'll be over in a little bit. Okay. All right. What else? Uh, That's so, it?
0: Yeah. De- Alright, so yeah. ah, Fuck, that's such a hard thing That's such a hard thing to answer I think My immediate reaction That I, I would I would try to help you Yeah And that's and uh, That's crazy for me to even say At this yeah. point Yeah, okay Because I, I wouldn't want to risk it all Right, yeah I as oh, We're not on a recorded phone line I'm not texting you You called me, right? I
1: called you Okay yeah.
0: So you call me mm-hmm. I go, Dave, what the fuck, dude?
1: Yeah I'll be like, bro. I don't know. I, I, I fucking blacked out. I come to, and there's a, somebody dead right on my floor, bleeding out. I have no fucking idea what happened.
0: All right, my honest answer. I want to yeah. give you this fun answer where I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll help you body, bury the body. and yeah, Whatever. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll help you. I'll help you. But I, yeah. I don't think I could. I got too much to lose.
1: I got you. No, so. So
0: I think that I would, I would try to talk you through the scenario, yeah. and I would say, hey, you're gonna do whatever you want. There's no paper trail here, so yeah. handle what you have to handle. <laughs> and I'm washing my hands. <laughs> I love you, dude. But yeah. I, I, uh, I got too much to lose at this point.
1: Yeah. All right. So vice, if, versa, if, vice versa. If it was me, if you called me,
0: oh my god, dude, I got kids, bro. You can't put I, that on me.
1: Yeah. If you called me and you're like, Dave, I blacked out somebody dead on my floor? I don't know what the fuck happened. I got my kids here. I don't want the kids to see this. You Whoa! Know, Kelly's sleeping. I don't... Like, like <laughs> Kelly, nobody... They can't know anything about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, what the fuck? What, what, I need your help. Yeah. Okay? I'll tell you this much. I will be in my car, and I will come here... God, now I feel like a piece of shit. No questions asked. Now
0: I feel like a piece of shit. Okay.
1: Now, I'm not saying that, that you know, you're out of, the, out of the woods here. Okay. Okay? Um... When I get here, I'll assess the situation. Okay.
0: Okay. okay you're already accomplished the murder. No, you, no, I'm not accomplished. I'm just giving you the not I'm just giving you the, the I just
1: came in and I witnessed the body laying on okay. your Okay, yep,
0: yep. So you witnessed a murder. Yes. And, okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I'll be like, can we carry them to Mohegan Park?
0: We we could. <laughs> we could. <laughs> we, we, we could. <laughs> uh. And and ladies and gentlemen, this is exactly what I said. Is if there's bodies fa- fall like we find bodies around Norwich, Connecticut, we know who it is, yeah. <laughs> we, do, we already know who it is.
1: All right. So, first question: Can we carry them to Mohegan Park? Okay. We could. Second question: It's a yes. If it's a female, is the body still warm? <laughs> Is it still warm? Yeah, yeah. All right. So what I need you to do is I need you to go in the other room for a minute. I'll take care of it. There's no
0: way. I'll take care of it. There's no way you're going that fucking deep.
1: I just need to take care of a few things before we, you know, before we go further. It's still warm. All right. So just go make sure the kids are still sleeping and make sure Kelly's good. All right. All right. Um, Then I'll call you back. All right. 35 minutes. 35 minutes. (laughs) <laughs> what? Wow, Thirty-five minutes? I'm giving you the, the yeah, benefit you know, of the doubt. Okay. Right. I was thinking like two minutes later. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I'll be like, hey, hey Garrett, Garrett, come on, come back, come back in. Yeah. Okay. And you come in, and then you'll be like, Dave, what's all over?
0: <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Being the, serious. The be serious. The best part about this is all this going to get cut. By the way.
1: <laughs> All right, being serious, I will come over. No questions asked. Yeah, I will. Okay. I will come over. All right. Um, but the second is is that I will support you throughout your trial,
0: dude. I I just got I got I got <laughs> because I'm hundred percent calling the police. I got angry. Yeah. What you would call the cops on I'm me? Cops I never said that. Yeah. I never said I would call the cops on you.
1: Yeah. You basically said you, you would. You, you said you had legit- too much to lose.
0: No, I said I wouldn't support you and hide in you hiding had the body. Too much to
1: lose. Did I say I was going to call the cops?
0: Yes, you legit said did I just say that. No, you definitely. I'm did. writing you out. Oh, that's crazy. Yep.
1: I'm gonna be like, hey, I don't know what the fuck happened here. He called me over. That's- I found a dead body. It's all him. I got nothing to do you know with what's this.
0: Funny, that is such a, um, uh, a touchy topic. Yeah. That I love that. See, Daniel Moore by far <laughs> came in with the heater right there. <laughs> but that is such a t- touchy topic because you don't know how you would react until you were put in that situation. You don't know,
1: but you're right. Everybody yeah.
0: thinks that they, oh, I would do this, I would do that, but yeah. until you're actually faced with that situation mm. of somebody that you love and care about, i.e. Dave Jari, because mm. I love and care about
1: you. Thank you.
0: But you don't know how you would react until you're actually faced with that situation. You, you don't. can You can always... Say that you would do this, you do that. You this big strong dude, you do this. I I
1: will say this is that if if it were one of my sons that called me up with the same exact predicament, Ah,
0: that's a that's even tougher question.
1: I will drop everything I have. I will go to wherever they are, and I will tell them to get the fuck out of here, get as far away from this fucking situation as you can. And I would one hundred percent take the rap all of it.
0: You're an amazing father. Yep, you're an amazing father because. That would be tough for me to even do. Really? Yeah. I love my son.
1: I, wow. I, I love my son. You would sell your son What? What?
0: Listen, I'm, I'm being completely honest. I love all okay. the criminal life. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's one of those tough things where I would like to say yes for one of my children and I would do that. Hmm. But it would freak me out, too, in the same.
1: No, I got you. In, yeah. in, the, in
0: the same sentence, it would freak me out. Yeah. I would be a, very afraid of what he just did and the possibilities of it of continuing. him continuing. If I'm gonna you take know what? You, the rap, you, you
1: do bring up a good point. If be- I'm gonna take the rap yeah. mm.
0: for his mistake, quote yeah. unquote mistake, <laughs> yeah. What is stopping him from doing it again later on?
1: No, nah, I got you. Yeah, you know what I mean.
0: That that's where it's.
1: Yeah, because I would be pissed if I took the rap for him. <laughs> And yeah. yeah, I'm in fucking jail for life or whatever, and he, and he goes off on a fucking spree. I'd be like, what? Yeah. What am I doing? Yeah, what do I do this for?
0: Kids, kids is is a touchy subject for sure. Yeah, because you you don't know what's going to happen down the line.
1: So to go back to the other thing, <laughs> I would, I would tell my son initially, I'd be like, you know what, get out of here, get as far away as possible, possibly go down to Florida. <laughs> I'm trying to segue in. Yeah, segue yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm with you. I'm with you.
1: <laughs> so thank you, C. Daniel Moore, for that question. Yeah, Holy it was, shit. It was a fantastic that was a, Yeah, it was a little thought-provoking. It was. A, it was definitely
0: a fantastic And I, I love how none of us actually came up with an actual answer <laughs> for this, because
1: who knows? <laughs>
0: we'll let you know when we actually get confronted yeah, with that when Garrett calls me
1: next week. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: Everybody on this podcast knows
1: it's going to be you who gonna calls me. Maybe be me. me. Uh, maybe Well
0: speaking of Florida. Yeah. Why don't we why don't we go down to Florida? Hit on down to Florida. Ring a ding 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 ding. Carrying a concealed sword inside of an urgent care waiting room. Face charges. (laughs) That is probably the most... Honestly, that's going to be the most Florida thing you guys have Uh, ever heard on this podcast. Honey, I'm headed to the urgent care. (laughs) Don't forget to bring your sword. Excalibur's (laughs) with me. All right. A man is is charged with carrying a concealed weapon after a medical staff discovers him sitting in an urgent care waiting room with a sword. (laughs) Is, is it sheaths or is he like? He probably has a. Is full he doing like fucking like? No, I'm thinking honestly. I'm, tricks. Honestly, I'm thinking like a uh, uh, Renaissance fair full
1: get-up. Like, yeah, that,
0: that's what he wears outside
1: of. Yeah, it's yes. like those videos of that dude yes. who like. Yeah. Who takes like, out bottle water bottles and yeah. stuff. Yeah. If, if
0: anybody has ever seen the movie, uh, Grandma's Boy, like yes. Patios, Turd Nuggets.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: and if they have, they'll get that reference, according to. <laughs> According to records, upon arrival, officers were met at the entrance by a woman who claimed to be the man's wife, who oh. claimed her husband had a sword in his possession. Mm-hmm. The woman's so bo- she
1: is she condoning this or well she's like, just let so you know my son's got a sword. Just like I would hide a body for you, Dave. Yeah,
0: I would definitely hide so a like, sword. Like, is she bragging?
1: She's like, hey, my man's got a sword. I don't know what you guys got. <laughs> my man's got a sword. Yeah.
0: The woman also warned officers he had a mental. illness Oh, okay. Upon entering the waiting room, CSPD, officers noticed the man sitting with an unknown object in his lap, concealed with a green cloth. Oh, so it was the chief.
1: Oh, he's just out. He was just
0: out willy-nilly. Yeah, with his snuggie. With his snuggie on it. <laughs> <laughs> Record show officers approached him in an inquiry about that object, which he had proceeded to uncover the revealed a full sword. Oh, yeah.
1: He whipped it out. He's like, look at this Substantially, sword. Substantially, right
0: the officers instructed him to place the sword on the floor and return to his seat, to how which the, he complied.
1: How big was the sword? It
0: was <laughs> It was probably big.
1: Yeah. Just whipped out a sword, lifted a blanket. Here's my sword.
0: With the sword secured on the waiting room floor, the arrest report. <laughs> Wait, was why? The sword was on the floor now? It was on
1: the floor. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. I got you.
0: He. he, he, he he was 100% Compliant? He was 100% compliant with Okay his, With the sword secured on the waiting room floor yeah. The arrest report indicated CSPD officers took uh-huh. possession of it to identify it correctly Unwrapping it from the cloth and confirming that it was a two foot bladed sword Two did,
1: foot Two feet That's like um, a uh, What do you call that? Uh, right k- now I'm actually katana? trying Katana? Is that a katana? No, no, no One Two feet? Two. It's like That's
0: like a, a Shinto a Shinto blade. Oh, a Shinto. Yeah. Listen, I'm I'm a Japanese marks. <laughs> I'm a Japanese <laughs> master swordsmith over here. No, you're not. You're no, anime. <laughs> no. It's about a Shinto sword, okay, guys. Two feet. It's not that big. All right. Uh-huh. They, to, to be fair, they should have just sent him home. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, it's a All Shinto? Right. Yeah, you're fine. It was a two-bladed sword with... Sorry to bother
0: you, sir. ...symbols on the blade's bottom proportion. After the discovery, the man was arrested and transported to the police headquarters for booking procedures. During the interview in the police station, he stated that he had purchased the sword from a pawn shop just two days prior and had not brought the sword out in public until that day. It was his first day, guys. His first day out. Give him a break. Give him a break. He
1: yeah. a break. And you just got it. He took take it away already. <laughs>
0: He went on to tell officers he didn't want to leave this sword in his vehicle due to the fear that someone would steal it. Well, yeah, it's brand new. He <laughs> just got it.
1: No, I, I'm, I'm with Dude,
0: you. This is the most Florida. <laughs> I fucking,
1: know, I'm with you, bro. This is
0: the most Florida emergency room fucking visit I've ever heard of. But I just bought this sword from a pawn shop. <laughs> know.
1: You now you're gonna take it away? I can't bring it into the fucking emergency room. Fuck. All right. If I can't bring it here, where where, where can I bring All right. it?
0: He did not intend on intentionally harming any others with the sword.
1: He just wanted to show everybody his sword skills?
0: <laughs> he was unaware of the illegality of bringing it into the healthcare facility. He was transported Ooh. to Brownwood County Main Jail.
1: He w- This man was... Did they drop the charges? Or? Uh, it doesn't
0: say at this point. It does not say. But, to be fair, he's struggling for mental illness. Even his
1: girlfriend at this well, time said... she says... Yeah.
0: I don't know. You bring a sword to the ER. I think it's.
1: Mm, I mean, he just got it. I mean, ah,
0: I don't know. I will say this: I'm sure he didn't mean to be the aggressor in the situation. He right? He he wasn't out here trying to attack anybody. Yes. He just wanted his new toy safe. But that also states that mental illness was a huge case in this scenario.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. You should not bring a sword.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you shouldn't bring a sword to the ER. Come on.
1: Listen, kids. (laughs) Do not bring a sword to the ER room. Save that for the backyard when you're doing your YouTube videos of chopping water bottles in half and claiming you're a samurai.
0: And also look out for the next criminal AF YouTube video of us practicing practicing Tanto (laughs) <laughs> Water bottle
1: slicings, dude. I'm getting a whole get up. I'm gonna be like, what? What they call the fucking uh, the get up? A key? A gi. A gi. A gi. He said key. A key. Yeah. No, not like the the karate one. The like the samurai the dress that they wear. Like it's like a robe. Yeah, a gi. Oh, that's called a gi, too. Yeah. I thought they I thought it was the the you know like oh, I'm going for my yellow belt. You know, here's a my gi. Yeah. A gi. They're all called geese? Yes. It's, Even the fucking road board? Yes.
0: Even jiu jitsu, everything, they're geese.
1: Yes. Okay. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Well, I'm getting a gee then. <laughs> all right. So that was a fucking weird trip to fucking Florida, huh? Yeah. So okay. next time you're Imagine in Florida. you walking in, and you, got, you, got, you got, like, have like a fucking sprained ankle or whatever. You're like, oh shit, I need help coming in. And the guy's like, I, I, I'll help you. And he fucking puts his fucking sword to the fucking side and yeah.
0: I, I, wanna tell, I, I want to tell. What would you do? I would love to tell a story about my wife's. Remember?
1: Which went the other week? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. About the lady? Yeah, yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay,
0: yeah. okay. Yeah. So, so sure talking m- my wife, yeah. actually, true story, fell over my dog. Th- this was probably two weeks ago. Thought she broke her hand, went to the ER at about nine o'clock. She goes to the ER, and, and this isn't. Norwich is pretty nice. It's not It's not a crazy... It's not Florida, for sure. There's not people with samurai swords in the fucking... In the ER. <laughs> for sure. But, so you have to get buzzed through the front door of the ER by security. And she looks... Kelly's on her way... My wife is on her way out. This crazy lady who looked at her funny and was like, Hey, you want to get out of here? Kelly was like, yeah, I'm just waiting for them to buzz me out. She's like, I can get you out. <laughs> my wife goes to leave the ER The door, yeah. She then this lady pries open the door <laughs> right yeah. she runs books it into the parking lot Kelly's looking all of a sudden security goes ma'am stop my wife stops on a dime turns around goes are you talking about me like, yeah. like she has no clue what's going on Right. and they run right past her this lady was breaking out she was on a 5150 which anybody who doesn't know that yeah. means that they're on a psychiatric, psychiatric hold. hold yeah Meaning they were forced to stay in the ER. (laughs) (laughs) At that time, this lady broke out of the ER at this time. Kelly's like, I don't even know. And she's on the phone with me, and I'm laughing because I hear the whole thing. (laughs) They're chasing this lady. She jumps in her car and drives off and almost runs over the the ER security.
1: Jesus. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So moral of the story is, who knows what you'll see at at, 9 o'clock plus at an ER. Right,
1: right, right. Yeah, it doesn't matter
0: what town you're in.
1: That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I remember she was, I uh, remember you telling me that. That's, I was like, what? Yeah. I mean, she was like, you want to get out of
0: here? <laughs> I
2: was mean, like,
0: if, if, I'm just, I'm waiting.
1: I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we, you know, we, like I said, we talk about Florida and everything like that. But yeah. I mean, if, if I were to hear that story, I'd be like, oh, that was that Bacchus, wasn't it? Yeah. In Norwich. For, for yeah. sure. Yeah. It's, it's almost a daily fucking occurrence.
0: The ER is a crazy place. Yeah. I always, so obviously me and Dave have talked about how we do security for a living. I don't think I could work in an ER. As far as security, is it? An ER? No,
1: I, I I thought about it, like because they do take like secondary work. You know, yeah. we could do part time, whatever.
0: You can do part time. They they pay well too.
1: Yeah, but I was just like, foo
0: restraining fucking.
1: Like I don't know. I mean, it would be fun, but it
0: would be interesting. For yeah, sure. it would it would probably be fun for like a couple weeks, and yeah. then you would get very sick of it.
1: I would I would think of like you know hospital security kind of being on the same lines as like being a bouncer. You know, you get the unruly drunks, and you gotta like fucking check them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Kind of like thing.
0: Boun- bouncer sounds fun in
1: theory. I've done it. You you worked. I worked at, at um uh, fucking sunset.
0: Actually, our producer has has been a bouncer too. Oh yeah,
1: he was about to, yeah. Uh, what was that? Uh, what was it, Mark? called? September. <laughs> oh, September's yeah. Septembers. Well, no, what was the one after that? There was like there was September, something, September's something
0: uh, in September's. Oh, uh, there's flashbacks September. <laughs> That, that See, Dave had some flashbacks, right? <laughs> yeah, flashbacks, yeah. Dave got some flashbacks when you said flashbacks. He was like, oh, shit, I remember a good time. Well, I,
1: re- I remember that we went to, uh, I think it was flashbacks at the time. No, it was the new Septembers. It was the second iteration of, of Septembers. Yep. And uh, we went there. It was like five, six of us, you know, me and my friends. Dude, we were fucking loaded, like trashed, right? And there was people at the door. I don't think it was Casey. I would have yeah. remembered. Yeah. It was somebody else. And there was like a... Water- he was probably seven. Was. No, no. no. Ah. How old were you in the second uh, internment of uh, September's? Probably my teens or 20s. Yeah, I mean, you were still you work there. Right? there yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So the bar's shutting down. Everybody's like leaving. There's a couple of Waterford cops like right at the exit. Yeah. You know, along with a I of heard, things.
0: which is crazy. Yeah. Because like the... The clubs and nightclubs and bars up here, they yeah. would never like associate, right? With Norwich PD, you know what I'm trying. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like September's had a really relationship. I, I, don't, I don't.
1: know if you want to say associate. They they wouldn't be in coots.
0: Yes, they wouldn't yeah. be at the bar. Like if, you, if, could, if, you could go across the street and
1: wait for people to leave. Right. For sure. Right. But
0: September's definitely had a, a good. Which is when as you're looking it's at smart. it, you think smart, about it. Yeah, you're you're looking after your because own brand. This
1: is what happened. So obviously we drove there. right? I probably shouldn't say that.
0: <laughs> go, 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 yeah. go, go. Right. If we gotta cut whatever, we gotta cut whatever. Right. Go ahead. So
1: <laughs> So we're leaving September and there's, there's two water for cops and there's uh, you know, security, whatever. And they're like, Who's driving? And we all looked at who we thought was the last drunk of us all. We <laughs> were like, They are. And they looked at whoever I forget who it was, and they're like, No, nah, you guys gotta call a taxi. We're like, what? you gotta call taxi you're not driving yeah you know hey, was, that,
0: was that coming from the officer the, or the, the, the,
1: uh, the bouncer September's. yeah okay but the cops are just standing like you know yeah, being yeah. whatever so what are you gonna do you know so fucking taxi pulls up he's like where are you guys going you know and they're still like they're watching us physically get into the fucking taxi right so we're like oh you know we're heading back to playing field, cause we're, that's a long drive <laughs> yeah. that, that's gonna be like a, a, yeah. a hefty fucking yeah you
0: know? do one of the Four
1: minutes up the road to stop turn Yeah. wait so <laughs> <laughs> so, so we get in the fucking taxi right? yeah and the dude's like where are you going and we're like oh i'm going to playfield you know just so everybody can hear them, know where we're going and he's like all right so we we leave the parking lot and then we go up uh, uh not spithead but the other one uh
2: heading Diana, towards walmart
1: Diana. what the hell is it called huh Across Crossroads, Colorado, right? yeah. So we start going up Crossroads. We get up to like probably where wa- the Walmart area is, yeah. And we're talking to this cabbie the entire time. We're like, "Listen, whatever it costs, it would normally cost you to go to fucking Play. We're going to pay it right now. Just stop here. We're going to go in. We're going to walk car. back. We're going to get our car. <laughs> yeah, so eventually, the cabbie was like, "Ah, whatever, fuck it." So we gave him what it would cost to go from Waterford to Playfields, which is like a couple hundred bucks, yeah, and. We got out. If I could walk back. By the time we got back to September's, the everything, the lights were off. Parking lot's empty except for our fucking car, and we're like, and we took off.
0: They, the Waterford cops, and
1: nobody was there. Okay, so There's this, not everybody left.
0: This is way past two a.m. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. So that that's what that's what we did. How do we get on this topic? I don't uh remember. Doing crazy shit. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Criminal AF. would we'll be back after this quick break.
2: Hello, Hello fresh.
1: fresh. With Hello Fresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on Hello Fresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number 1 meal kit.
0: Dave, I can't tell you how many times my kids have been like, "Daddy, can you just cook something good for once?" <laughs> and I don't even tell them it's Hello fresh, and then yeah. they're like, "Wow, you're better cooked than mom." Oh, got him. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's easy. You don't have to go to the grocery store, it's shipped right to your door, so it's a no-brainer for me. And you're still spending less with HelloFresh. It's uh, this is this is brain surgery over here. Absolutely, HelloFresh does more than just delicious dinners. Not only can you take your pick from 40 weekly recipes, but you can choose from over a hundred items to round out your order. From snacks and easy lunches to desserts and pantry necessities, everything arrives in one box on a delivery day you choose.
1: When I got my box, I got the I got the three meal box, right? But I actually I'm, I'm single, so I eat alone. Table for one. You know. <laughs> I actually took my meals and I portioned them out for the week. A little you know, meal prep. A little reaction. meal prep, you know what I mean? So I actually had I got three dinners and I turned them each into five meals each. So, so that's fifteen meals. Come on. You can't beat it. You can't beat it. You can't beat it. And like Gary said, it's less than what you would spend in a grocery store. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You don't even have to worry if you're not a pro in the kitchen. HelloFresh's foolproof recipes arrive pre-portioned and easy to prepare in just a few steps.
0: No more scouring the grocery store for that one ingredient to complete your recipe. HelloFresh takes away all the hassle by delivering fresh pre-portioned ingredients so you have exactly what you need and helps you cut down on food waste. And let me tell you, that fry seasoning that they throw in that box is
2: <laughs> it's fire!
1: fire. <laughs> so HelloFresh cares about quality, and that's why their seasonal ingredients are picked at peak ripeness and travel from the farm to your home in less than seven days, so you know that what you're getting is fresh. So go to HelloFresh.com backslash AF 16 and use code CriminalAF16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. Go to HelloFresh.com slash
0: AF 16 and use code CriminalAF16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping free shipping. America's, America's number, number one, one meal kit. kit.
1: Ta-da! <laughs> now back to criminal AF. But anyway, alright, so let's get into this story of <laughs> Richard Kuklinski. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of him. Uh, he's called the Iceman. Uh, he he tells a fabulous fucking story. He does. Now, whether all of these stories are true, I mean, I, I would that's say up for debate. S-
0: I would say some were inflated
1: Exaggerated, inflated, exaggerated, yeah, inflated, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, there's a lot of shit that this guy claims that he has done. But we'll, uh, we'll jump right into it and we'll start learning about who this man was, starting with chapter one.
2: Philippe Pinel
1: one of the founding fathers of psychology as we know today, rose to prominence in the 1790s when he was selected to be one of the attendant physicians at King Louis XVI's beheading. Soon after, he received an appointment to become the chief physician at the Paris Asylum for Men. You must understand that during this time, mental illness was not treated as it is today. The insane, as they were called for centuries, were believed to be possessed by the devil, or simply, unruly by choice. They were imprisoned and shackled to a wall day and night for years on end in solitary confinement. They were treated with bloodletting, they were conditioned to fear their doctors, and repeatedly plunged in the bathtub until they were near death in the hope that the insane would just change their ways, that is, if they survived. Insanity in those days could be diagnosed to anyone who didn't appeal to social norms. Excessive writing, insomnia, extended illness, and women who committed adultery were among a list of 46 symptoms where someone could be declared insane. When Philippe arrived at the asylum, he was determined to take a different approach. There were no more shackles, the patients were put on a regular routine, and Philippe met one-on-one with each patient every day. He received incredible scrutiny, yet he believed that these patients shouldn't be clumped into a single diagnosis, and through his daily tasks with new patients, He learned that the state of one's mental illness wasn't derived by a single event, but a culmination of events in addition to a person's hereditary traits. Philippe shocked the medical world with his studies and led the way with his belief that both nature and nurture play a part in mental illness. That a person is predisposed at birth when an imbalance to process emotions coupled with physical and social stressors in the development of a person's life. In 1801, Dr. Philippe Pinel published his findings in his Treatise on Insanity, in which he listed mental illness in five classifications, melancholia, dementia, idiotism, mania with delirium, and mania without delirium. These classifications, among others, still stand today, however most go by different names, such as depression, intellectual disability, schizophrenia, and antisocial personality disorder, commonly known as a sociopath. A sociopath is described as someone who is manipulative, incapable of empathy, remorse, or love, poor impulse controls, and has a grandiose sense of self. Nearly 134 years after Dr. Pinnell published his findings, a boy was born in Jersey City, New Jersey, who would go to epitomize the diagnosis of a sociopath. As he would create a double life between being a family man and becoming one of the country's most prolific killers in which he claims to have murdered well over 200 people. A man known to his family as Richard Kuklinski, but to the criminal underworld, he was the Iceman. Richard Kuklinski was the second born to Stanley and Anna Kuklinski. Polish and Irish immigrants who were never destined to be declared parents of the year. He was raised in a low income housing project with Stanley, working as a brakeman for the railroad and Anna working in the meat packaging plant. Stanley was an alcoholic who had severely beat Anna, Richard and his older brother Florian. Anna was also quick with physical discipline, believing that physical punishment went hand in hand with a strong religious upbringing.
2: I didn't like my father because he would beat me just because he felt like it to get my attention, I guess. He'd just come in and give you a whooping for no reason whatsoever. And my mother was cancer. She would destroy everybody. She thought I took long to do something. She didn't hesitate to give me a swat here and there. And she didn't just use her hands. She would hit me with a broomstick or something like that. It hurt. As a matter of fact, she broke the broom on me more than once.
1: So in essence, Richard and Florian had no reprieve from constant abuse. His father would soon abandon the family, and Richard, acting out in anger, would capture the neighborhood animals and torture them by skinning them while they were still alive, throwing them in incinerators to watch them burn alive, and in one case, he tied two cats together by their tails and threw them over a wire and watched as they clawed each other to death. When telling the story, Richard laughs as he recalls how much noise the cats made. Richard wasn't only receiving the abuse from home, he had a small gang of teenagers who would bully him in school and on the playground.
2: When I was a young man, I found out that if you hurt somebody, they'll leave you alone. Good guys do finish last. When I tried to leave everybody alone, just do my own thing, everybody just wanted to hurt me. Until one day, I decided, well, I had enough of this picking. And I went upstairs and I took a a bar, which the clothes used to hang on in the uh, closet. And I went back downstairs when there were like six young men, still figuring they were going to mess with my head. And uh, we went to war. To their surprise, I was no longer taking the beating, I was giving it. And that's when I learned. It was better to give than to receive.
1: The thrill and release he felt from these attacks were now ingrained in Richard's psyche. He had a taste for power and control. He was earning a reputation as someone you didn't want to cross, and if you looked at him a certain way, even by just passing on the street, he would set his sights on you and wouldn't relent until you were either bleeding on the pavement or dead. Richard, now 18 years old, was in a bar when a man rubbed him the wrong way and he felt like he was being disrespected. So he would wait. A few hours later, he found his moment to strike.
2: I come out of this bar I see him sleeping in his car. I said, I got you, little sucker. Now I got you. I'm going to light your fire. (laughs) And I did. I got myself a bottle, some gasoline, and I threw it on the car with him. And he was screaming and yelling and burning. And the car burned. And I could smell him. I walked down the block. I could hear him as I turned the corner. He was still yelling.
1: So now that we learned a little bit about the psychology behind all of this and where Kuklinski, you know, basically was raised into this environment and whatnot. Now, there's one thing I want to talk about is that when Richard was five, uh, his parents had had beaten his older brother. No, Richard was 5, Florian was 7. Yeah. His father had beaten his brother so bad that he died from his injuries. Okay. 7-year-old, boom, dead. Now, to cover up the murder of their of their of a 7-year-old brother, they told the authorities that Florian had fallen down the stairs. Yes. Okay. And I guess back in the 50s or whatever. <laughs> it was It 40, was just, uh, actually it was hey, the 40s, yeah. It, it happened, yeah. It's like, oh my son fell down the stairs and they're like, Okay. You know, whatever. (laughs) Which is crazy because that
0: would never happen. So he
1: had an extremely abusive childhood. childhood, For sure. And the one person that that he could relate to was his brother. You know, even even at such a young age. Yeah. So when Florian died, it was basically now him who's getting the brunt of everything. Yeah. The abuse, the fucking whatever, you know.
0: Yeah, it was it, it passed down at that point.
1: Right. So now, as he as he grew older, you know he was he wasn't just getting the abuse from home. He was getting it at school. He was getting it from other kids in the neighborhood and everything. You know, we talked about in the story how a gang of kids would beat the shit out of Richard. You know, pretty much on a daily basis. You know, they they'd be waiting for him before school, after school, whatever. Torment the shit out of him. You know, and and but as he got older and bigger, you know, because. In his later years, he was he was a huge hunk of meat. Yeah. You know and what it, I mean? He could, was a huge and person, sm-
0: and it could smell him coming down the fucking road. Yeah. <laughs> that's,
1: what, that's what they would say. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, so by the time he he got to about fourteen, this is when he uh, basically started fighting back. You know, it's like I'm bigger now, I'm more mature. Whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm not taking your shit anymore. Basically, he got sick of it. He's like, "Fuck my parents, fuck these kids, fuck everybody." I'm now doing. What's best for me? You know what I mean? I'm not taking any more of this fucking abuse. So by the time he was 14, he tracked down, like, the, basically the leader of the kid gang that was like torturing him. Yeah. Um, his name was Charlie Lane. Okay. He knew that Charlie would be passing through an alley on his way home from school. So Koklinski basically went down this alley and waited. And then when Charlie approached, you know, obviously Charlie thinks he's still a fucking badass, you know, he you know, he beats this fucking dude all the de- all the time, you know, with his buddies. You know, he would tell, you know, Richard, Hey, get the fuck out of my way, blah blah blah, you piece of shit. He fucking gives him a little shove. Well, Kuklinski didn't back down.
2: No. Okay. This was, this like, was this, the one time. This is where, this yeah. is
1: fucking where it's gonna fucking change right yep. now, right? So a fight okay. ensued. So, uh, Richard quickly got the best of him because now, by now, he's 14. Purity kicked in. He's now like six foot fucking whatever. Which is actually a huge person.
0: It was impressive that Charlie actually had the balls to challenge him at this point because he was substantially bigger than him.
1: Right. You know what I mean? But I mean, you could be a a big sized person and still be a fucking, you know, cream puff. You know what I mean? For sure. So. You know, this is like Charlie being like, "Whatever, I beat his ass like fucking eighty-seven times before I'll fucking beat it again, whatever." But now, uh, Kakozski's like, "Yeah, guess what? Guess what? I'm fucking you up." Yeah. All right, so he basically got the best of him, and he didn't stop. Allegedly, he beat this kid to fucking death. Yes. Okay. So to he, the
0: brink for sure.
1: Yeah. So he he ended up stealing a car and he brought Charlie's lifeless body to a bridge. Now this is all him talking. This is where we this is where we say you know like take some of these stories with a grain of salt, because who knows how it actually happened, yeah, you know? But apparently, he cut off the fingertips of, of little Charlie here, and knocked out all of his teeth before dumping him into the river, okay? That right there is f- f- fucking smart. For a 14-year-old to, like, think, well, I'm gonna yeah. knock out his teeth for dental records, I'm gonna cut off his fingers for fingerprints. Nobody's yeah. gonna know who this fucking kid is. Yeah. Well, it's true. Yeah. I don't know
0: especially in that time period too right it's like there's not much about forensics there's not there's not a lot of knowledge in that aspect for him to just know to do all that I I think it's it's a lot is lotted up to you know folklore and all that stuff yeah but if you if you beat someone to a bloody pulp their teeth are going to come out regardless
1: right so, and it, it kind of brings up the whole, you know, like like sociopath thing, where he has this like grandiose sense of self. He, you know, basically tries to make himself sound better or smarter or bigger than other, you know, than the yeah. world around him.
0: It's it's hard for me to label. You know, we we've, we've been doing this a long time, mm-hmm. right? I can't see where a sociopath becomes a serial killer more than a psych, a, a psychopath. I I would classify him more as a psychopath. At this point, you know what I mean, like where he's losing complete, complete control of his emotions, and he's he's beating this kid to a pulp. Sociopaths to me are more well thought out. If if they were going to become killers, it's going to be a, it's not going to be such a brutal uh, act of emotion. Okay, you know know what I mean. That's that's why I wouldn't classify. Now I granted, there's actually you know people that are way smarter than me they yeah, are yeah, classifying yeah. him at this point as you. a sociopath and this and that. He, he right. shows clear tendencies, and he might, but the, the line between psychopaths and sociopaths are so small.
1: It's it's very minor.
0: It's very small.
1: Basically, from what I understand, again, like you said, there's smarter people out there than me. Yes. But basically, from my what I understand is that uh, a, a psychopath is born. They have a chemical imbalance. They have something in their brain that's yeah. that's... That's. I mean, that drives them. You too, could argue that, that this guy. I mean, that you, he you could clearly. You could, yeah, I got you. And basically, based on their learned behavior, blah blah blah, they go off to do Maybe. crazy shit. Now, with a sociopath. It's strictly their environment. Yes. The the nature versus nurture. Right. Nature yeah. versus nurture. The whole fucking debate. Everything. Now, sociopath. They they learn these tendencies. They learn basically what you know. As as the story talks, you know, he got the shit beat out of him by his father. Yeah. He got a shit beat out of him by his mother. He got his, the shit beat out of him by kids in the Friends, neighborhood. Friends, family. He got shit, it, it, Like his entire fucking childhood up to the age of fourteen is just him being this fucking minuscule little fucking mouse. Yeah. That. Everybody just fucking steps on. Yeah. You know what I mean. So eventually, all of that is going to build up. You know what I mean. So I could he could he have been a psychopath? Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, it's, it's it's possible. That's why I lean more towards him being a sociopath because of, of what I know or what what is general generally known of his childhood. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know if uh, a study has actually been done where because you can actually determine. Whether somebody has that gene yeah. of being a psychopath, I don't know if that's been done in this case, but
0: yeah, it, it just goes back to me thinking. When I think of sociopath, I think of blue collar crimes. I mm. think of things like that where they, you're ripping people off. You're doing these like things where. It's not so much of a physical, emotional outburst.
1: Yeah, well, psychopaths can do that too. Yes. Just because you're a psychopath no, no, doesn't mean you're going to you grow are, up to be a killer yes, you're or correct. a sociopath. Yeah, you're very correct. You know, you, both are very manipulative, and whether they they decide to take that trait, I guess you could say, and use it towards conning people or, yeah. you know, increasing your, your sexual body count. <laughs> whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're a manipulator. That's all you yes, are. That,
0: that, that's how I look on, at on it. On both
1: aspects of it. Now, what makes them a killer is, like I said, the torment from childhood, blah, 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 Nature and, Nature. And, and the only difference is is whether you're born with it or if you learn it. Yes. You know what I mean? That's my
0: understanding. And I, I do believe that you can learn it. So I, I don't want yeah, to yeah, yeah. completely... Close that door and say, "This is what I believe," because right. I I truly think you can learn it. Yeah. Now th- I, we've done too many episodes where family members has have
1: introduced. Yes. You know what I mean? Right.
0: Fucked up things into kids' lives, and, and that's what I'm saying. And, you know, like
1: right. like you know, we we talk about let's say Michael Ross. You know, Michael Ross had somewhat of a normal childhood yes somewhat somewhat, somewhat. Little, little, his mother was fucking little mother crazy. Was a little crazy his, his mother mommy was crazy. mommy issues
0: always tend to Correct. be the root
1: Yep, and, and he was allegedly molested by his uncle yep. um, molestation his father really had like a no hands on approach to the whole fucking situation yep. you know if his mother was like oh he did this go beat his fucking ass the dad would be like okay I'm gonna fucking <laughs> beat your ass whatever blah, blah, blah. you know what I mean but yep. when it came to the point where after, after Ross's Michael, uh, uncle died the job of now uh, killing the, the uh, undergrown chickens or the diseased chickens or whatever now went to Ross and he was eight years old yeah. and he started like fucking snapping the necks of these fucking little ingrown fucking chickens and shit yeah. and he's like damn this, I gotta, this feels kind of good uh, I kind of like this if
0: my mom puts my fucking piss sheets up on the wall one <laughs> more time <laughs> and I keep snapping these chicken necks yeah. something's gonna happen and that
1: correlated later in yeah. life where his, his method of killing was, was strangling yeah. you know yeah. what I mean yeah, like that sure. was his his fucking thing, and he learned that by doing it with the chickens. Yeah. So you you look at these people and you try to think, you try to find the when. Yeah, you know, I talked about this a while ago. Yeah, you we, find we the when, do. yeah, you find the when. Like what triggered their the, their the uh, later activities that, and, and everything. You know, Kemper. When would.
0: when did the 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 lines cross? Right. from sexual aggression yeah. to like it's always that in between.
1: Right. So, with, you know, like like we discussed with, with Ross, it was the fucking stabbing of the necks. With Kemper, it was uh, him killing the cat. Yep. He was like, ooh, I have this power and this fucking yep. control that I can fucking harness, you know what I mean? And... Dahmer, it was slicing
0: the fucking organs open. Yeah, the, it was
1: the, the, taxidermy the, 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 the taxidermy shit. Taxidermy, You yeah. know, it, it, it's, it's just like, what what is the when? You know, and then there's other people where, where you look at where you can't find a when. Yeah. they were just like that. And... And that's and that's where I find where you get the soci- the psychol the sci- yeah. psychopath to the sociopath. Yeah. If the, if you can't find a when, so to speak, that's where you can kind of like bridge. You
0: can say sociopath to psychopath. Right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So because- that's
1: just that's just me though. I'm like i I'm not smart and just- I'm not educated in any of this. I didn't go to school for any of this. Yeah. I didn't know You're it. It's just a my perception. Right. Yeah. So yeah. But- very good take. Yeah. So with uh, you know, with, with with Richard here, so he's he's as we discussed, he he killed again when he was 18 by setting a guy on fire. Okay. So
0: sounds a little like right. to me. So what
1: do we know, so what do we know so far? <laughs> oh, yeah. So he's he's got two two murders by the age of 18 allegedly. He says okay. So he sets fires. He tortures and kills animals because he was he used to uh, tie two cats' tails together. And string them up on the fucking uh, cable wire, the, yeah. the telephone wires in the street. Tie up two cats, put them over the fucking telephone wire, and let them fucking claw each other to death. So he's killing animals, he's torturing animals. Um, the only thing we're meeting, we're missing to complete the triad is the bedwetting. The bedwetting, okay. Which I'm sure he did based on his childhood trauma. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? I'd be pissing my fucking fucking drawers all the time
0: yeah, if you were a child getting right. beat. And yeah.
1: but I highly doubt because he's he's a very. For lack of a better term, he was a man's man. Yeah, you know we, we've was, always said very, too.
0: We've always talked about them on this podcast too about the things that go unreported, right? You know what I mean? That, yes. That's our big thing too. Yep. Here is like,
1: oh yeah, absolutely. Who
0: knows what actually happened through these through most of these people's trials, right. childhoods?
1: Right. So he was a very like you know I'm a like I'm a man. I didn't wet to bed. Yeah. So I didn't so do this I don't shit. think he would he would he would ever admit to a bedwetting. Yes. But I, I can tell you right now.
0: Uh, the triad is a in full Watching, form, watching your man.
1: seven-year-old brother, basically the only person who had some sort of stability in your life, get murdered by your own father. Yeah, bro, you are a hundred percent fucking pissing your bed. Yes. That's just me. Whatever. I but, know I would. Yeah, that's right. So, so, so next we'll we'll discuss how he would go into Hell's Kitchen now, the Hell's Kitchen section of, of Manhattan, and he would practice his new craft and learn new ways to kill here in chapter 2 In 1960, 25-year-old Richard Kuklinski, married with two sons, met 18-year-old Barbara Pedrichi at the warehouse where they both worked. Things escalated pretty quickly, and Barbara soon found herself being totally consumed by Richard which is pretty common when new love begins to blossom. The difference in this instance is that Barbara realized how little time she was spending with her family and friends. She talked to Richard about this and thought it would be best if they take a step back and not see each other as much, to which she responded by stabbing Barbara in the back saying, This is an object lesson. Never leave me. They would go on to have two daughters and a son, and Richard would this time relish his role as a husband and father. It was evident from early on in their relationship that there were two sides of Richard Kuklinski, as Barbara would describe her marriage with him as being with good Richie and bad Richie. The good was a devoted husband and father, never drank, never did drugs, and was never unfaithful to his wife. He would provide for them with lavish gifts, vacations, sent his children to the best schools, and protect his family at all costs. He would say that he would kill an entire room full of people if it meant to save his. The bad was Barbara suffering broken ribs and a black eye, amongst many of the other injuries she would receive if she caught him in a bad moment, and there were more than enough times he would tear apart the house. The children were spared his wrath for the
2: most part. It was a Jekyll and Hyde existence. The way it was, and the way I wanted it to be, was absolutely too two different lives I wanted one life I had to have another life
1: With only an eighth grade education Richard would find ways to make money outside of his warehouse job After getting into a debt with Roy DeMeo a capo in the Gambino crime family DeMeo and his crew came to collect The crew would attempt to beat Richard, who stood at six feet, five inches tall, and weighed over 300 pounds. But Richard held his ground and impressed DeMeo. Always looking to seize an opportunity, DeMeo could see that Richard would be more profitable to him alive, so he brought him in to be a part of his crew. Richard had to prove himself by carrying out a hit for DeMeo. They drove around for a while, and DeMeo pointed out a man walking his dog down the street. Richard got out of the car and walked towards the man. As they passed each other, Richard turned around, shot the man in the back of the head, and got in the car. With Richard now a member of the Gemini crew, one of the most feared crews in the mafia world, his new career began to pick up fast. He was required to answer the call at a moment's notice, and his family knew not to question him when he would disappear for days at a time or get up and leave with no explanation just to return a few hours later and act as if his abrupt departure was perfectly normal. One Christmas Eve, Richard was putting together some toys for his children when he received a phone call, put on his shoes, and walked out the door.
2: The man owed me money, and he was giving me the runaround. I told him I wasn't happy that he wasn't going to pay me. he had that attitude that uh, nobody could hurt him. Uh, I think he was wrong. Anyway, he never saw Christmas. I walked away, got in my car, and went home. I put toys together for the kids for Christmas. I saw the broadcast while putting the toys together that came down. Mob-related killing. That was the first time I knew I was (laughs) mob-related. Richard
1: quickly became DeMeo's favorite enforcer for his lack of regard and empathy for the people he was assigned to murder, and he did so with ease. There was a hit that DeMeo wanted done, but nobody could get close enough to him, which played right into Richard's hands. He took pride in killing people others couldn't. Richard followed his man to a disco bar to stake him out and realized the place was always busy. Richard tried to figure out ways to get close to him without attracting attention to himself, but to no avail. This is until he noticed a gay couple dancing and realized that nobody was paying attention to them. In the 1970s, being gay was still kind of taboo and most people would look the other way when they saw a gay couple. So one night, Richard showed up to the bar with the most flamboyant outfit he could find and was dancing around the dance floor without a care in the world. He was right. Nobody was paying attention to him. So he danced his way towards the man and when he was close enough, he pulled out a hypodermic needle and stuck him with it. Within seconds, the man died of a heart attack. At the turn of the decade, Richard befriended a man named Robert Prongay while they were both staking out a hit at a New Jersey motel. They quickly sized each other up and realized they were both contract killers. Prongay, a former demolition expert in the military, was known as Mr. Softy because he drove an ice cream truck and came off as an unassuming, polite man Who was loved by all the kids in the neighborhood but he lived a double life as well. He was a sadistic killer who Richard dubbed the craziest man I have ever met. He would take rides with Mr. Softy and would watch as he gave fresh ice cream to the little kids and cyanide-laced ice cream to their fathers. They grew very close and Richard would learn a lot about killing with poison and how to use it in various ways. Prongay with Richard by his side, drove up alongside a man and sprayed a mist from a spray bottle. The man was dead within minutes, and Richard would find that the use of cyanide was a great way to kill.
2: You could, uh... put it in liquid form. For instance, a person could be in a bar. You... Bunk into them by mistake, or say that you're intoxicated. Spill the drink on them, and leave. Everybody just looks around and thinks that you're drunk, or that you just had an accident or something. Meanwhile, it's soaking through their clothes, and into their pores, and into their system. and eventually they'll die.
1: Richard and Prongay would team up from time to time to commit murders but generally Richard liked to work alone, especially when the business involved his rackets. George Maliban was in the pornography business and wanted to score some illegal videos from Richard. Carrying $27,000 Maliban met with Richard to seal the deal, and when Maliban sensed that the deal was going awry, he became angry and threatened to kill Richard and his family. Maliban was found several days later in a 55 gallon drum. It was during his relationship with Prongay that the idea of freezing a body would throw off the police when trying to determine a time of death. The man who would be a model for this experiment would be Louis Maske a man who made a business arrangement with Richard to purchase cases of pornographic videotapes. The deal, in which Maske would pay $95,000 for the videotapes, was scheduled to go down at Richard's garage but would never come to fruition as this day would be the last time anyone saw Maske alive. His vehicle was found a short time later in the storage compartment where Maske kept his money was gone. It is believed that Richard and Mr. Softy kept Maske's body in the freezer of the ice cream truck and then was later transferred to Richard's walk-in freezer at his garage. It would be two years until Maske's body would be found in the same clothes that he went missing in. Police were baffled as it appeared that Maske hadn't been dead very long. During the autopsy, however, ice crystals were discovered in Maske's tissue and Richard would become a person of interest for his murder as he was the last one to see him alive. This is how Richard became known
2: as the Man.
1: Criminal AF, we'll be back after this quick break. Now back to criminal AF. So while Kuklinski was honing his craft in Hell's Kitchen, the the police in the area thought that the series of murders that were popping up throughout the west side of Manhattan uh, were the result of drug dealers and homeless people kind of killing each other off. Okay, yeah. They had no idea.
0: Which is still to this day yeah. a, a pretty big thing. If, yeah. if I mean, if anybody pays attention to New York, crime. <laughs> That's that. If a couple of homeless people end up dead, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, it's just it's, just you know, a, it's, it's, it's a Tuesday." Yeah, it's yeah. a tu- it's a Tuesday. Yeah, they don't they don't connect murders. They don't they don't connect right. anything. Yeah,
1: they have no idea that it's it's the work of this young man from Jersey City, uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. So now, after his arrest, later, uh, Kuklinski was he he he'd be listed as a person of interest in sixty five like unsolved murders in Hell, Hell's Kitchen alone during this time. Okay. So now that are try to now that now that That's impressive numbers by the way. 65 in impressive Hell's Kitchen. Numbers. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And 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 Hell's Kitchen if you guys aren't f- familiar with New York, Hell's Kitchen is right just west mm. of like Times Square. Hell's Kitchen is very like a Yeah. big area of New York City, Manhattan at that.
1: Yeah, it's basically a rectangle.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, shape it's, of yeah I, I believe me I've walked down I've been to Hell's Kitchen many times it's 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 pretty popular it's a big area yeah. that has a lot of
1: which is which is which is funny because like during the, like the 80s and 90s even the, maybe even the 70s if you think about it, it has, Hell's, Hell's Kitchen was like southy of Boston during those times you know where it's like a, uh, a high crime area, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing, you know. In Washington D.C., you yeah. know, you go to tourist the tourist attraction of, of Washington D.C. You have the monument, you have just Jefferson Memorial, you have the White House. Now, if I've, you I've, if you do an aerial view of the White House, like, yeah, you know, everybody thinks the White House, you know, they have this like you know uh, facade of like you know yeah you know whatever. Now, if you do it, like an aerial view of of the White House, like literally the backyard of the White House is. Uh, low income, like housing. No, it's, no. it's very. I
0: have an amazing White House story. For okay, you. I got you. So my brother in law, yeah. was in the army for yeah. uh, six, seven years or whatever. Okay, he moved back to Connecticut. He wanted to move back to Connecticut. Yeah, he flew me down mm-hmm. right to Georgia. He was stationed in Georgia, Fort Stewart.
1: Devil went down to Georgia. Devil went down to Georgia. He was yeah. looking for a soul deal. Yeah,
0: he was like, "Hey, drive the U-Haul back to CT. I'll follow you." Oh, Okay. Something ended up happening. He couldn't leave that night. I was yeah. like, I, at that point, I was just like, I want to get home. I, I gotta get the
1: fuck out of here. I'm, right. I'll
0: drive tonight, so I take this U-Haul back. Yeah. I go down a wrong turn oh, at the washing oh, at washing in Washington D.C.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: And I just end up and I'm in Washington D.C. downtown Washington D.C. Yeah. Sketchy as fuck in a U-Haul full of shit, <laughs> yeah. like TVs, couches, yeah. every everything valuable that's in a home. Yeah. In the back of the U-Haul. I get to a gas station, right? Yep. And I, I this is by far the scared like the I've never been more scared in my life okay. to to try to fill up a a, a tank of gas, yeah. right? The guy slides I slide my card under a glass Box. Yeah, that's how crazy this gas station. You can't even go in the gas station. That they, sounds
1: like downtown Norwich.
0: Yeah, no, no,
1: no. Central stop, Ave. That stop. gas station on Central yeah, Ave.
0: Stop. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Okay. <laughs> maybe a little yeah, bit. yeah. So I slide my my card under a glass. You can't even go in the gas station. Yeah, you have to slide it under a gas tank. They they pay for it and they slide
1: it back to you. Right.
0: I fill up my gas tank. There's bums asking for dollars. Do-
1: I was gonna ask you. <laughs> I was going to fucking ask you. Did anybody ask you to yes. hold a dollar?
0: There's bums are asking me for a dollar. Yeah. I I'm like, I'm just trying to get the fuck out of here right. <laughs> at this point. Yeah. I was like, I was afraid. And then all of a sudden I take a right, and I had no idea where I was at this point. Okay. Like I wasn't, I had my GPS to get back on 95 north. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I take a right. I see the White House. <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what the fuck? I just almost got robbed two blocks down.
1: And you're at the White House. <laughs> I'm
0: at the White House. And now
1: <laughs> Secret Service got their fucking snipers yeah. on you. They get a fucking cruise I up to the totally White House. Totally
0: agree with you. <laughs> that like you go two blocks down the road yeah, and it's, yeah. it's 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 like you're in a third world country. Yeah, and you then
1: go you go from all the tourist traps and then like two blocks away. Not even sometimes not even two blocks. Yeah. like the next building over, uh, and I'm, you're in the fucking.
0: I'm in a You're U-haul. Get I'm yeah. in a U-haul driving by the the White House. It was. It oh, was yeah, it was, it was actually kind of funny at that point. Uh, thank
1: God I got gas and I was. Yeah, back on the it's road. something you can look back on. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Thank God it right. was. That was by far. I've been in some sketchy parts. I'm a huge. I mean, David knows. I'm a huge fan of New York City. I, yeah. I go there a lot. Yeah, you do. Uh, it's it, it's only two hours from us. Two and a half hours. Two two hours. I go there a lot. I've never been more afraid. DC, DC, DC at two o'clock in the morning.
1: Yeah, because you you think you have all these like fucking tourist traps and everything like yeah. that. You think it's like going to be like chill and everything. Mm-mm, nope. Yeah. Right. So, anyways, basically how we got on all of this is that. Uh, Kaklinski would go through Hell's Kitchen, and he would just. Oh yeah,
0: we're talking about Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, huh?
1: yeah, Hell's Kitchen. So he would go through, and, and he'd murder like homeless people and drug dealers and whatnot. And the police were like, "Yeah, they're all killing each other off. Drug dealer killing drug dealer, homeless killing homeless, whatever." You know, they didn't really look too much yeah. into it. They were
0: actually happy at that point.
1: Yeah, and in the meantime, you know, he's he's you know, later in life, he's connected to 65, 65 unsolved murders in Hell's Kitchen. Crazy. Those that, are some nuts. numbers. too, yeah. At that point. Yeah. So now, even
0: even in that time period, that was some
1: numbers. Oh, absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. So now, while all of this is going on, you know, in 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 present time in Hell's Kitchen, while he's going amongst all these murders and everything like that, um, now he he's he's currently married. He has a couple of kids, whatever. So he he actually falls in love with an eighteen-year-old. Her name is Barbara Pedrici. Pedrici. P-E-D-R-I-C-I Pedrici, I believe. Pedrici. Pedrici. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, that sounds right. things started, like, start off quick. Got heavy quick, you know? Which usually happens in the early part of the relationship, you know? That's when you get the double-fisted Gluck Gluck 3000 and all <laughs> that kind of good shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's pulling you out know? all the stops. All, all the stops. All the stops are being brought out, right? Yeah. So now, so things are heating up hot and now Barbara, she starts to realize, like, this is getting a little... It's going a little too... F- going a little too fast. So, in this instance, like, Barbara begins realizing, like, how little time she's spending with her family and friends. You know what I mean? So, she talks to to Richard and, you know, about this and, you know, she, she thought it was best that they kind of, like, slow it down, you know? Um, let's not, like, see each other as much. Let's not, you know, you know, hang out as much, whatever. Kuklinski responds to this, you know, concern of Barbara's by actually physically stabbing her in the back (laughs) physically physically stabbing her in the back all right and he says to her this is an object lesson that you're about to learn don't ever leave me like you're not cutting back time you're not taking things slow like we're in this and together you have no choice basically right so so that happens they end up getting married you know we w- way we to start your your blissful marriage by stabbing your soon to be wife in the back, but um so now we get to the part where Kuklinski has become allegedly a mafia hitman. So now there's no actual proof of this. It, uh, this is
0: all s- e- hearsay.
1: This is all yeah. This is basically him saying I was part of the part of the mafia. Okay. Now mafia historians claim that they've never heard of Kuklinski in relation to mob activities like ever. So, regardless, he claims to be part of the crew who kidnapped and murdered Jimmy Hoffa, and the one behind the trigger in the murder of the Gambino boss, Paul Castellano, uh, under the direction of John Gotti. Um, now, there is uh, one documented instance uh, of his connection with the Gambinos, and that was the hit on a, a sketchy police detective. His name was uh, Peter Calabro, uh, who was involved in some dealings with the with the gambinos and they were concerned that he's going to going to flip. You know, he's going to flip state evidence whatever. Yeah. And then a witness this it's- this is in court, this is documented, this is whatever. A witness places Richard Kuklinski, the Ice Man, Sammy the Bull Gravano and two other associates in the hit uh Peter Colabro. It- so
0: now, could he have been associated with the Gambino yeah. family and all that? Like, sure. Yeah. It's hard for me to, like, to actually pinpoint him on, like, the Jimmy Hoffa hit. Yeah, the, like, Yeah, that's a little sketch. Like, I yeah. get why you would want to, like, present yourself at that point. Right. Sure, he could have killed the corrupt cop at that point, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, the, that time was...
1: Right. Or, or Or being one of the hitmen in the Paul Castellano yeah, murder, the cop, you know?
0: But... Like I could totally see him inflating that he was part of the
1: oh absolutely the upper
0: echelon of the Gambino family.
1: Like right, if it's his mo, yeah, yeah.
0: Because the the everybody knows with all the research that every I mean everybody's as far as me, I'm obsessed with the Hoffa family and all that. Like the Hoffa, the Hoffa story, uh, story and all that. I, I, I don't, I don't think he was. I mean,
1: could it be whatever? Yeah, could it know. not be? Who knows? Yeah. It's just interesting it's a, that, it's a, that good, uh, it's a good. It's a good. It's a good story. Yeah,
0: it, it's a good uh, tally on your marker for sure. Right? You know,
1: gives what I mean? you give you a little bit of a jail cred. Yeah, you know, for sure that I was involved with the Hoffa thing. Yeah. So now,
0: because everybody she, knows that that was the upper echelon of the crime family that oh, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. that dealt with those two murders. Yeah, for 100%. sure, hundred percent. That wasn't just some low-level street boss or any of that stuff.
1: Yeah. So as we as we go on in the story, you know, uh, Kuklinski he has found uh, a partner in crime, you, you could say, in Robert Pronge. Uh, now he was also known as Mister Softy. He would drive a Mister Softy ice cream ice cream truck. Yeah,
0: what a gangster ass yeah. fucking way to go right to kill and, people, dude. Yeah. Oh, and in the meantime, I he's he's often
1: I love that he's often his ops. You know what I mean? Yep. His opposition, whatever. So for oh, all intents say it again. Ops. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm Dave, with the lingo.
0: Dave's a little gangster. I'm right? with the lingo. Yeah. A like, you
1: know? like, little,
0: little uh, Gen Z like yeah. lingo for you he's guys. He's
1: sliding on his ops. He's
0: sliding on his ops.
2: Vaughn.
1: So uh, yeah. So for all intents and purposes, it was a beneficial uh partnership. Yeah, for sure. Know? But all good things must come to an end, as we'll discuss in chapter three. Through another racket, Richard was contacted by a man named Paul Hoffman, a pharmacist who was looking to score some drugs to sell in his pharmacy in order to make a huge profit. He brought with him
2: $22,000. He took the bag, threw it, opened it, showed me a whole mess of money, a whole mess of cash. He said, uh, oh, I got the money right here. And he came back and he says, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? How am I going to get this merchandise? I put the gun under his chin. And I said, there is no merchandise. And I shot him. He didn't die. The gun jammed. He was gurgling. I had hit him. Blood was pouring out of his mouth, and uh, he was in what I would imagine to be a lot of pain. So there was a tie iron there. I took the tie iron, and I hit him with it which knocked him out, and uh, he died. Uh, so then I took him and, and put him in a 50-gallon drum, put it on the side of uh, a motel. It was behind uh, Harry's Corner. I listened to the people. I went into Harry's every morning. The thing was there for a long time. I looked at it every day. It was there. I went into Harry's every day. One day, it was just missing. I continued to go into Harry's to see if anything was said about it. Nothing was said. I don't know what happened to that drum.
1: Paul Hoffman's body was never found. He and Prongay would maintain their relationship for some time until one day they had a falling out, when Prongay threatened to poison a water supply and kill thousands. Mr. Softy was found hanging out of the driver's side of his ice cream truck with numerous gunshots to his head and chest courtesy of Richard Kukliski. By 1982, the heat was on DeMeo and his Gemini crew. If you know anything about the Mafia, it's that they don't like being in the spotlight and something needed to be done. The leadership of the Gambino crime family wanted DeMeo out of the picture, but he was a feared amongst his family. John Gotti and Sammy Bull Gravano reportedly turned down the hit, as did many others. The people, or person, who had to do this were the ones who were closest to him. The task, according to Richard, was given to him. In January of 1983, a meeting was set up at the home of one of the Gemini crew, and DeMeo was not seen again until his body was... In January of 1983, a meeting was set up at the home of one of the Gemini crew. And DeMeo was not seen again until his body was discovered in his trunk, riddled with bullets. After nearly thirty years of working for the Mafia, and with DeMeo now dead, Richard decided to go out on his own. He was making more money than ever before with his rackets, including gun smuggling, illegal pornographic movies, extortion, money laundering, and of course, murder for hire. By now. Richard has used numerous methods for murder. Gun, knife, poison, burning, strangulation, Molotov cocktail, and leaving people to be eaten alive by sewer rats, but he never stopped looking for new ways to kill. He once pulled over to the side of the road and asked the man for directions. When the man approached his window, Richard pulled out a crossbow and shot the man through the forehead. This was not a contract, not a personal vendetta, and not because he was owed money. This was a stranger who was merely in the wrong place at the wrong time and Richard simply wanted to try out his crossbow. Richard's new venture on his own would prove to be his downfall as he was growing careless and paranoid. His new business partner, Gary Smith, would help him run his rackets and would set up a meeting in which Richard would kill the person and steal their money. Richard, feeling the pressure from law enforcement, was growing concerned that Smith would flip Richard set up a meeting with Smith in a motel room and he laced his food with cyanide. Not dying fast enough, Richard strangled Smith and hid his body under the bed in the room. Several days later, Smith's body was found. The autopsy revealed that Smith died from asphyxiation. If he would have just let the poison do the work, Smith's death would have been listed as natural causes, but because he strangled him, it was now a homicide. The FBI assigned an undercover agent to act as a hitman who met with Richard at a highway rest stop to give him cyanide to kill a fictitious cocaine dealer. Richard was told that the man would be carrying $85,000 and it was all his once he committed the murder. Two hours after this deal was made, Richard was arrested. The wrath of the Iceman was over. There is much debate on how to classify Richard Kuklinski. Was he a serial killer? A street thug? A contract killer? In my opinion, the answer is all three. It is not often where the line between these three is crossed. Serial killers are triggered by people who meet their specific preference or reminds them of someone who did them wrong in the past. Such as a prostitute may trigger someone whose mother was also a prostitute and would abuse and abandon them as a child. A woman with blonde hair in her early 20s may trigger a person who was scorned by someone of a similar type. Serial killers are also typically consistent in their manner of killing, whether it be strangulation, stabbing, or shooting someone, to name a few. A contract killer is someone who is paid to murder a person, and it's more than likely that they have no emotional or psychological connection to their target. Many skeptics of him being a serial killer will point to the fact that he was a con man, a hustler who killed people for financial gain. Which is true, but these instances occurred well after he began killing. If we take a deep look at his history, with the physical and emotional abuse he received from his parents, the death of his brother, the torture of animals as a youth, the torment he received from his peers, it's easy to see that Richard separated himself from emotion at an early age. In his case, his trigger was disrespect. If he felt you disrespected him or his family, you were dead, or at least beaten to near death. This all stems from his childhood when he had no control over those who were supposed to love and care for him and those who betrayed his trust. Once he gained control, anyone who made him feel as if he didn't paid the price. His story has all the makings of a serial killer. The contract killing, that was just a perk. People will continue to debate these theories, but one thing is consistent. Richard Kuklinski was a sociopath. His grandiose claims are the main reasons behind this debate. Richard would go on to say that none of the murders ever bothered him. But there was one murder that never happened that would eat at Kuklinski for the rest of his life. This one goes back decades, and if he had, his entire story would be different. He wished he would have killed his father. Alright, so as we discussed, you know, Kuklinski, he, he started his partnership with uh, uh, Robert Prongay. And, you know, Mr. Softy's uh, uh, method of killing was poisoning, yep. you know. So he would, you know, give a child, you know, uh, uh, ice cream, and then he would give his father... Yeah, an ice cream poisoned crazy yeah you know what i mean so um, but eventually uh, Prongay, he was getting a little fucking rambunctious he was he was getting a little you know bigger than, than than you know what he usually was and he told Kuklinski that he was going to poison the drinking water of of the area now that area also consisted of his family yep. and his children so he was like, uh, "No, you're not gonna fucking do that." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, right. so he ended up shooting,
0: which shows a little bit of humility,
1: right? In this now
0: serial serial killer, right?
1: Correct. Yes. Now, now here's the question: Did he kill Prongay because because he, he was he was doing the right thing yeah. by preventing all these deaths, or was there another? reason why he killed him and
0: that's what I love because you'll never know nobody will know because
1: if if we learn anything about uh, Kuklinski right now is that if he even felt slighted in the littlest bit you're fucking dead you're dead you know what I mean if you looked at him the wrong way you're dead and
0: that brings up a whole thing that I I love about this story is Mm. that you know everybody talks about the mob the Gambino family you know what I mean Go to Chicago with you know Al Capone, whatever the yeah, mafia yeah. in general. Right? Nobody labels these guys they're they're high they're high end hitmen
1: mm-hmm. as
0: serial killers. Right. They just labeled them as you know. Oh, they were doing things for the mob, so that's what they were doing. Yeah, that, they, that's what they, they do. call it what it was. But when you yeah. l- really deep down into it, they yeah. enjoyed killing. They were wa- they were serial. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is how I feel. I don't. You know, other people will say other things. Mm. I strongly believe that they were serial killers. That mm. like, it's just they got away with. Saying, "Oh, I did this because of the mob. They, oh, the en- mob, yeah. they enjoyed. Right. They enjoyed killing.
1: Yes, for like, sure. Like Roy DeMeo of the of the Gambino family. He fucking he got off on fucking yeah, killing. He the liked whole it. crew did. Yeah. And if if it's true that Kalin斯基 was part of that, he fit right in because yeah. he enjoyed it as well. Yes,
0: and that that's what I mean. Did Kalinski was Kalin斯基 Kalins- this high end person? Sure, he might have been. He might have been low end. Who knows? Right. But we all know that this kid enjoyed. Killing at this point, right? Right. right. And I I love how you put that in the story. Whereas, like, was he was he just doing this as a hitman, or was he enjoying every second of of it?
1: Yeah. Was he a serial killer? Was he? a Contract killer.
0: And as far as my my take on it is, I believe he was a serial killer. Just like any of these guys, they liked to kill random people. They didn't Mm -hmm. care if the mob called on them and they needed it. They hey, this guy needs to die. It didn't matter who it was. They didn't ask questions. They didn't care. Okay, I, got, I got it I'll yeah. take care of
1: it this this, this kind of reminds me also of a, you know situation if we bring this into, into present day uh, within like the last five years or whatever you can look at what people are calling on, on YouTube and the internet as hip hop's first serial killer oh I like where
0: you're going
1: you this. know what I mean yeah, and yeah, if you guys yeah. haven't heard of King Von oh like from you Chicago might, you
0: might be you might be plugging a thing that nobody knows I about.
1: know like, I've been down a rabbit hole on fucking King Vaughn for months now. Yeah, we might have to do an episode. We on. might have to do on King Vaughn. Yes. Was he truly the first hip-hop? Oblock, baby. Oblock, Chicago. Was he the first hip-hop All right, killer? Right? So, uh, allegedly, he's he's shot over 20 people. Uh, killed that we know of, or yep. that is known. He's killed like eight or nine. Yep. You know, is it gang I mean, yeah, it could be gang-related. It the could number's be actually city. more than 20, to be honest. Yeah. But it's it speculated, like if you talk to like people who, who knew him or were around him or whatever, like he was—he just liked to kill. He's evil. Yeah. Like he would, he thrives off of killing. You and know they, I mean? they
0: would—they all they would do is chalk it up to gang violence. Yeah.
1: So it, it and he was out there just murking Yeah, murking people. That's so where that—that's where I got the sliding on the ops. Yeah, yeah. To go sliding
0: on the ops. <laughs> but it, it goes—it's—it's hand in hand with. Um, you know
1: what I mean? It's like
0: you know our story. Yeah.
1: Where, are they serial killers, or are they just doing it just because of of, of the environment that they're in? Yeah, you, know you, what I mean? you
0: still you're still taking someone's life that still is heavy on the heart, regardless of who you are. Right. So if, if yeah. you are super acceptable <clears throat> of that, yeah. there's something twisted, and yeah. it, especially with with two bodies. By the time he was 18, he was already on that path.
1: Yep. So, yep. so what do you think about uh, the eighty five thousand yeah. dollars?
0: If I'm already a hitman for the mob, yes. And I have an opportunity to take someone for $85,000 back in what year was this? The 80s. In the early 80s? Yeah. That's a lot of dough.
1: Yeah. Liquid. I would do it too. Why not? I would take that too. Hey. Let let, let me me put it this way if somebody offered me $85,000 right now,
0: (laughs) not to kill someone,
1: dude. I'd be seriously considering (laughs) it.
0: You would Eighty-five thousand. Like, all right.
1: What do what do they do? What, what, what do I do? You know? oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Eighty-five thousand is a ton of money. Substantial amount of money, yeah. and especially at that point, he's he's already a ruthless killer. Right. Like, what what what's the difference?
1: Yeah, he probably would have done it for like ten. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it it was else. actually
0: very smart by the FBI at that point. Yeah. Because they knew they were going to get him mm-hmm. with that that sum of money.
1: That's it. Yep. That's all she wrote. Game over. Yep. He's in jail, and it's crazy
0: that informants like. As much as as much as people talk shit about Rico, yeah, in general with the mob, and we're gonna get into that. Like, we're, I, uh, we're, we're totally gonna do an episode on the mob because I
1: I love it. I, we, I think I think we we've touched on this before, but the whole fucking Rico is it's bullshit. It's the pussy it's, way out. Yes, it's you know what it's, what I mean? it's
0: bullshit, but yeah. it was genius. It's
1: genius, <laughs> but it's the fucking pussy way out. Yes. You, you, guys, I, the, you guys, the federal, made a federal government, code. they, they made found a cheat code. They made and a cheat code. Yeah
0: at that point the 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 amount of informants and stuff like that that they had in the crime families it was just mm. it was you, they were
1: going down regardless right
0: so it, it's yeah. not his i mean he didn't know he thought legitimately that that, that, that 85 was, was legit imagine was what was 85
1: 85,000 could do for you in in uh, 86 yeah, or, or yeah. 85 or whatever in the it was 80s. all right so i think that uh that'll wrap it all up for Kuklinski here for the ice man If you liked what you heard, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. And don't forget, you can become one of the debauched by joining our Patreon for as little as $2 a month for general support. Everyone gets ad-free episodes and access to our Discord. So. Those of you who join, and actually we went a little live on our fucking Discord yeah. recording this episode. We are
0: recording this episode so live, too. thank you
1: for everybody who t- tuned in for that. And those who join the $5 tier or above get all of our Audible video and downloadable content, including narrated scripts from every story, 5-Minute Murder, and our Patreon-only bi-weekly podcast, Random AF, which we're going to record after this episode. Uh, for the higher hey, tiers, you a
0: couple beers in hey, We're ready for hey.
1: For the higher tiers, you get all of this plus producer credits on every episode, some goodies thrown in like T-shirts, posters, coffee mugs, etc. Just go to criminalafpodcast.com backslash support to choose your tier. Links to our support, socials, merchandise, reviews, and more are in the episode description. Signing off from Studio Chloroform. Keep your head on a swivel and stay safe till next time.
2: Now, Now, give me our theme music! See ya!
1: Executive producers for this episode are Christine Rivera, Beth Davis, and Dusty J. Hicks. Associate producers are Paul Hodge, Laura Shin, Chantelle Seislik, Jay Rawlings, and Terry Burke Wollen. Producers are JD, Trent Gobble, Devin Dean, Lisa Perello, Alicia Knight, Maria Celine, Chris Owen, Justin Ware, and Beth Esselman. This story was researched and written by Dorothy Jari, edited and narrated by Dave Jari. For a narrative-only version of this episode, follow Criminal AF Direct, available wherever you listen to podcasts.